to the ether today is saturday january 7th 2023 today on the ether nauticus the premier fixed rate protocol for terra and the cosmos hosted by dr doscoin with orbital command let's take a listen if you do have a question just just um yeah feel free to to jump in before your battery dies okay you got it you got it um if anything i might just uh you know step down as listener and uh charge it up before I uh, come back up, because I could always like you know request to speak again or like shoot you a DM or something like that. 100%. I know I was a day late and a dollar short before on the uh, on the last one. My uh, my question didn't get in. Oh shit! Terrace business here. Gotta go. Gotta go. All right. So we've got Max is on his way up to the stage. Max is who we'll be speaking with today. Head of research at Risk Harbor um, and is behind the scenes at Nauticus. Now. Should be up in just a second. Shout out to Terraspaces, whose icon you've just seen pop up. Terraspaces, of course, records all the spaces across the cosmos. You can check out past Terraspaces at terraspaces.org. Uh, it's a great little resource. I love using the website when I need to do some background research on projects myself, and so cannot speak highly enough. Also, if you're someone who enjoys listening to things in double time, my ADHD brain loves double time, so I also listen to it. Terraspaces.org uh, on, or Terraspaces rather, on Spotify. So you can find them there. With that being said, Max is having some trouble coming up. I've tried to add it as a speaker twice. Let's just try that again. I think we're in business here. I don't know. Didn't go through. We'll try that. Third time lucky. Here we go. Max, approving you as we speak. Hopefully, this time it goes through. Ah, loud and clear. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, we're winning. This is half. We're halfway there. Max, how are we this morning or afternoon, evening? Where are you? Doing good. I'm, I'm in uh, San Francisco, so it's right about noon for me. So Perfect, perfect. So you've eaten some food, you're feeling energized, you're ready to have a conversation? Yeah, I am. I am. That's fantastic. So as I was just saying a moment ago, these spaces typically go for about an hour. Um, they don't have to, but usually they do. They will be capped at an hour because I have a meeting to jump onto at that, at that hour mark. But... In that time, what I want to do is, yeah, basically just have a conversation with you, help get the, help let the people get to know Nauticus a little better. Uh, the floor will be opened up in the middle of the call. If people feel called to ask some questions, they are most certainly welcome to. In fact, I encourage that more often than not when I open the floor. You know, it, it gets a little quiet and people get a little bit of stage fright. So nothing to fear here. We're all buddies. Feel free to come up and ask some questions. I know we've got some big minds in the call like Madman, MB Ager. So I'm sure that there'll be uh, some good conversation. Good conversations to flow. With that being said, at the end of the call, we'll sort of do the final, you know, call to actions and summaries and all the rest of it. But to get us started, Max, how about just because it's a small call at the moment, um, this will this will grow as time goes on, and we'll of course share it in our Discord and 
Telegram afterwards. But for the people that may or may not know you, uh, can we get a quick bit of background on you, what you've done, and what has brought you to work on Nauticus? Yeah, sure. So my background actually did my undergrad in math at Michigan, and then uh, did a just finished up a master's at MIT in econ uh, last summer. So uh, I guess. My focus there was always kind of mechanism design things, algorithmic game theory, which happened to be a very good fit for crypto. Uh, I got involved in crypto while I was still an undergrad, actually. been working at Risk Harbor for about a year and a half. And uh, we kind of saw a need for a, a fixed income protocol on uh, Terra, on the Cosmo verse in general and so we just kind of decided let's go ahead and build it we have all the resources and uh the the brains and the engineering talent so we just decided let's go ahead and build a fixed income protocol that's as good as we can do and it was kind of a pretty open market on cosmos for that uh sector as well so yeah fantastic and this of course isn't just where you've started you've spent some time with Risk Harbor. I actually believe because I, I chatted with uh, is it Raph or Ralph? I'm not sure how to say the name, but I chatted with one of your co-workers uh, a while back in the Risk Harbor days, and I have a feeling you were on that call too. Is that is that a accurate assessment? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, fantastic. So Risk Harbor is originally where you guys were. Is there anything to relay before we sort of dive into Nauticus uh, comprehensively? Is there anything to relay on the Risk Harbor front. I, I think we're still going strong on Risk Harbor side as well. Um, we're we've launched new vaults recently on several chains, um, and if you look at the landscape of of insurance protocols, actually, a ton of them kind of blowing up recently, putting their funds in places that they shouldn't have been in. Um, and luckily, we have been have avoided that carnage which has kind of swept through the industry and especially after the ftx collapse a lot of other protocols were uh hit pretty hard by that with with severe payouts after that so i think uh that is going really strongly and i think nauticus is a kind of complementary business to that and there's a lot of synergies there where uh it's fixed income and insurance and together those two things are really about risk management and reducing variance in investing. So, uh, yeah, I think that there's a strong synergies, but yeah, we can move on to Anonicus since that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah. hundred percent. And so the team wise, the team that's behind Nauticus, are there extra people outside of risk harbor or is it literally just the same team that are working on Nauticus? Yeah. So we have dedicated engineers who are working on Nauticus who are, um, not working on Risk Harbor at the moment. Fantastic. And so for anyone that is tuning in, it is a complementary product essentially to uh, Risk Harbor, being that there is uh, fixed interest and you're basically providing a risk management uh, or protocols rather for risk management across the board. Let's talk about Nauticus at a ELI 5 and then a deep dive level. Yeah, so I guess the, the place to start is that if you think about yields in DeFi, I think there's a lot of uncertainty about uh, where those yields are, how much the yields are going to be worth. Um, and in particular, that's because there's a lot of token emissions 
that start to come into the picture. And when you have a bunch of token emissions uh, that you're counting on for your rewards, there's kind of a bunch of uncertainty there. Two factors. One of them is the protocol going to continue emitting at the same rate? And the second one is what's the price of that token that they're emitting going to be? Um, and so that can cause a lot of uncertainty. It, it can be hard for kind of risk averse investors or people who have certain mandates that they need to hit to meet those risk quotas to the point where they feel comfortable harvesting the high yields that do exist. Um, just because those the interplay of those two factors, the token price and the amount of emissions is a, is a lot of uncertainty for them. So the idea of Nauticus is um, can we allow trading between people who are willing to accept that risk? In fact, maybe even want more of that risk in return for more expected returns uh, with the more risk averse side, which might be retail investors or uh, institutional players who have certain mandates that they need to follow. Um, so that was the, the main idea behind Nauticus. Um, any questions on that? Or should I dive into the specifics of how we do it? No questions thus far. Happy for you to continue diving in. Yeah, so, so the way that we actually do this is we take a yield generating token. Uh, so maybe like a Luna X is a good example. Um, it's kind of a staking derivative that generates yield. Um, and then we can take that token and split it into a yield and a principal token. Now the principal token in three months, say, whatever the maturity timeline that we set is, in three months, the principal token is gonna be worth one Luna, basically. And the yield token is gonna to be worth whatever yield accrued on that token over the three month period. And since the principle is known, right, that allows us to generate fixed rate positions by looking at positions that only hold the principal tokens. And then the way that we craft those positions is after you mint your yield and principal tokens, you sell your yield tokens to people who are more risk tolerant or who want that extra expected return. And you end up building a position that's exclusively principal tokens. And then you have a fixed rate position with no risk from the token emission rate or the uh, price of the token that's being emitted that is generating the rewards. So, Certainly. And I've had a few conversations recently with uh, protocols such as Prism and also I had a chat with Zodiac just Saturday. Both have features of refraction and you know splitting into principal and yield tokens. How does Nauticus differentiate itself from, say, Prism and Zodiac? Yeah, so I think obviously that core mechanism of yield splitting is pretty common throughout the space, and it's not just you know Prism. It's also a bunch of players on on main on Ethereum who are also doing similar things and i think it's been around for a while i think the core way that we're trying to differentiate is kind of leaning into our expertise uh and trying to build markets that are as frictionless as possible for these tokens because at the end of the day that the splitting is only one component there's also the trading that has to go on right you can split the yield in principle but if nobody wants to buy the 
yield tokens uh, because there's a lot of friction in the market, then the protocol doesn't work very well. So that's what we've been focusing on and what we're where we are focused on in terms of our roadmap is trying to bring those markets to as frictionless a state and as expressive a state as possible to allow um, trades of the yield and principal tokens and of the principal and underlying tokens as much as possible. Sure. And when it comes to the trading of those tokens, is that going to be taking place on, say, Astroport, or are you planning on setting up your own uh, marketplace for them? How is that going to work specifically? Yeah, we're setting up. Um, I mean, currently in our the version that's live now, we do have they are trading on Astroport, but they just don't have enough flexibility in terms of the type of market that's needed. So we're actually working on our own, which is launching very soon. Um, our own AMM, and then after that, we're going to be looking at some non-AMM solutions potentially, including uh, order books. So, yeah. Fantastic, let's, let's uh, dig into that a little bit. Your own solutions, this AMM that you're working on, uh, functionality UX wise, what can users expect when they are uh, using it? And so did you have some more concrete time uh, goals in place for when it'll be launched? Uh, I think it'll certainly be launched within the month, and I think probably sooner than that. Uh, we're just, I was talking to the engineer who's working on it yesterday, so it's, it's very close to being done. Um, it's a deployed on uh, mainnet actually right now, but in our like testing capacity. So it's very close to being done. Um, yeah, let me talk a little bit about how it works. I think one of, one of the things about fixed income is that you know a little bit more than you do in uh, the standard case of just two tokens trading. You actually know that at some point in the future, the principal token, which would be like the P Luna X and the Luna X are going to be trading one-to-one. So what you want to do is design your market maker such that you know that those two tokens are going to be worth the same in the end. So at the end, you want kind of a stable swap looking curve. Before that, there's some uncertainty, but the uncertainty is really only with the rates of the underlying token. So at what rate is Luna trading? So that uncertainty is less than you would normally see in, say, an ETH BTC pair on Ethereum mainnet, right? So the shape of the curve can be shallower, which means less slippage, which means you get more bang for your buck, basically. And as time goes on, the maturity date approaches and the principal token, which is basically what we call a zero coupon bond, which is this fancy terminology for it's worth $1 at maturity. Um, that becomes almost, I mean, if you think about, if I give you a dollar tomorrow, it's almost worth the same as a dollar today. So we can trade them more like a, a stable swap pair. Got it. And regarding the order book, you said the order book is the next step. Is there, are there some details you can provide on that? And maybe talk us through some of the challenges that you face along the way of the design process and, and some maybe unforeseen circumstances that have arisen during that time that you've had to overcome and, and how, how you have overcome these things. Yeah, I think the, the real challenge with order books on chain, there's two of them. There's one which is a technical challenge with the um, 
memory and computational expense of running an order book and matching and, and these kind of things. Uh, I see that as kind of a secondary problem. I think the primary problem is actually the fact that blocks um, take a while and that the process for building these blocks is a little bit unfair in that it allows people to gain speed advantages. Um, and so I think in terms of a longer run order book situation, it's not clear that that's going to be possible with the current systems that are in place for getting transactions on chain, because you're going to have issues like we have with AMMs, but even more severe with front running and sandwiching and all these issues with sniping that we see. So I think ultimately the reason that we want to have an order book like system and I would also classify kind of a Uniswap v3 style concentrated liquidity as pretty similar to an order book because if you kind of take a limit they look pretty similar from a research perspective. Uh, the goal is to have that so people can express their information and their preferences over these risky assets appropriately and so there's there's less kind of value leak leakage to people who are sniping stale orders um so that's the end goal is be as flexible as possible and that's what an order book allows you to do got it and the question that i just had pop up a moment ago in my mind was around the redeeming so the for example the maturity date of a p token is one year and so in this current state, just the markets have been, you know, very quiet and there have been an array of rug pulls and all sorts of things over the course of the last, well, since crypto begun, but particularly in the last year. Um, what's, you know, for 10%, what do you think the uptake is going to be like for people? And do you think there's trust there from people to have their, uh, be in a position for at least the next year on a new protocol? Well, I, I think in, in terms of if you, look at the execution of how this actually works. Um, it's not that complicated. So if you think about maybe a compound or an anchor or something that is like a very um, sophisticated lending product, there's a lot more moving parts there, a lot more ways that things could go wrong than just a simple yield splitting protocol. I mean, I could explain it in one minute, right? We just take the yield generating token, say Luna X, then we split it into two parts, okay? Principal and yield. And at, at maturity, all that happens is we withdraw all the tokens that have been generated, okay? Repay the principal token holders with their principal and the remainder goes to the yield. So if I can explain in 30 seconds, that's pretty simple. And so there's just not very many places for stuff to go wrong in the code. Um, so I, I would actually say that the, the, the whole goal basically is we're taking the risk out of what could happen to Osmosis or Astroport or whatever token is being provided to supplement the yield. That's the bigger risk than any kind of uh, protocol level issue on the Nauticus side, just because it's so simple. And then once you have those principal tokens, right, um, even if something happens to Osmosis or 
as long as the funds, as long as the initial principal funds aren't lost for, by whatever exchange or whatever yield generating protocol is using the funds, then whoever's holding the fixed income protocol will still earn their fixed rewards. Yeah, got it succinct and uh, very concise. I appreciate that. You, you use Luna X as the example for the revenue generating token or the auto compounding token there. Are you planning on, you know, will this be workable with, you know, for example, I can see Backbone Labs are in the in the call today. Will this be operational with uh, the tokens from, say, Backbone Labs and uh, other liquid staking protocols that provide auto compounding tokens? Yeah, absolutely. It works with anything. I just use that example just because it's uh, on the tip of my tongue. But it works with any, and I, I don't even know if we have a pool for that right now. I think we have pools for like Astroport LP tokens right now. So uh, yeah, it, it works with any yield generating token. Sure, of course. And it's one of those things where the deeper the liquidity, the uh, you know, the, be the better off it is. So how we attracting liquidity or how rather are you uh, what is what measures are being taken to incentivize attracting liquidity yeah so i think the there's there's two aspects here one of them is how do we get liquidity in the system and the other one is how do we make the liquidity that we have go as far as possible and i think they're kind of related and i we're focusing right now on making sure that the liquidity goes as far as possible so that we don't need to do a bunch of emissions or other kinds of things that other uh, exchanges might be doing to bring in a bunch of liquidity that if you actually use it properly, you don't really need. Um, so uh, that's our goal right now. I think there are plans possibly to bootstrap liquidity if necessary, but if we're going to do that, we want to make sure that the liquidity that we're essentially paying for is being used as effectively as possible so that you're not just throwing money out the window. Like I think basically it has been happening in a lot of AMM protocols recently where they're just subsidizing, bringing money into a pretty inefficient system and that hurts the token holders in the end. A hundred percent. The other question I had was around, this is, Terra specific at the moment is that right uh the contracts are are flexible enough to be deployed on any of the cosmos chains but gotcha. i think right now we're deployed on Terra only and what do you see being the next chains that make the most sense um i'm not sure we've had formal discussions about this yet internally um because i think we've been focused more on the product than about expansion we want to nail the product first and then expand but i think you know, some of the bigger chains, especially Osmosis, to keep in mind. But uh, I think we haven't looked into it too much because we're really focused on nailing a product first and then uh, seeing where the best place to expand is. Right. And so it was November, I believe, you released the Nauticus beta. What's the, what's the feedback been like so far? I think it's been great so far. We've had... Um, we did a kind of a guarded launch, uh, just having uh, a limited amount that was allowed to be minted, and most of that got used up, I think. So that was a, a great response. Uh, ultimately, we kind of were able to see what kinks needed to be ironed out in the product thanks to that. 
So I think it was a pretty successful beta launch. And like I said, we're launching our uh, next version very soon. Love it. I'm just looking through a couple of, uh, I've been sort of playing with the website and doing a few different things while we've been chatting. Um, functionality wise, usability, it's super simple. There's not like it's, there's nothing too technical about it. Uh, one of the things I did notice, oh, that was it. In the in a recent tweet, you were saying, or someone on the team at least was saying that uh, participating users will be considered for huge surprises. And so I'm just curious to know if you have any more details about what those surprises may be. Um, if I reveal those details, they would not be a surprise anymore, would they? <laughs> but yeah. So you get you get you know no uh, no little mini alpha drops for the crew today. You're gonna leave us hanging. I'm sorry, like I don't. I cannot drop any alpha, but I think gotcha. it will be very surprising. Well, what I'll what I'll do here is we are arriving at the sort of halfway point of the call, and as I said at the very start, you know, purpose, outcome, and agenda of the call. The purpose is to help educate the people, let them get to learn about Nauticus. Uh, the agenda was that it was going to be sort of half an hour of you and I having a conversation and then I was going to open the floor up. So that time is happening basically now. So if you're sitting there with some questions in your mind, Madman, I know that you said you might have some questions earlier, definitely bring yourself up as a speaker. Uh, MB, JG, I see you all in the, in the audience there. I feel like there might be some good questions that we can riff on for a little bit. And then the end of the call, we'll go back to the sort of CTAs and the rest of it. But I'm going to put the... Call out there for Madman uh, MB. In fact, what I'm going to do, I'm going to do things differently today because usually I just uh, do the invitation. I'm going to invite to speak. Here we go. Invite to speak you as well and invite to speak you. Okay. So now they've all got something on their phone that'll say there's an invitation. They are most welcome. Here we go. MB's up. MB, you got the floor, brother. Hey, guys. Um, yeah, thanks. And a great talk. So far, look very clear, um, especially compared to some of the, the other um, you know, similar protocols I've listened to on Spaces recently. Um, just a quick question, uh, maybe I'll have another one, is um, regarding you know, future funding. And I think Nordicus received some um, emergency runway from, um, from Terra. Uh, will you be seeking further um, community funding, uh, or are you guys set? Thank you. Yeah, I think we're set for now. Um, so, I mean, as we uh, approach the launch of V2, I, I don't think we will we'll need any more of that. Fantastic. Nice and easy. Uh, if there's nothing else to MB, that's fine. I'll leave you up as a speaker. But yeah, again, if you do have something to say, just jump in. Madman, you've got the floor. Uh, yeah. Um, could you expand on some ways that you see so far to encourage demand for the yield tokens? Because uh, you said uh, that you could run into issues um, if there's not enough, uh, you know, like demand side, uh, pre you know, price pressure for uh, for those tokens to make sure that the um, protocol could work efficiently. Yeah, well, ultimately, it needs to find an equilibrium where people are trading off risk. So if you're on the principal token side, you're holding fixed yield, you're getting um, a lower variance return and so in the end you need to trade off expected return for that and that trade-off of the expected return for risk premium basically is what needs to find an equilibrium 
so that the people who end up holding the yield tokens, which are riskier, are getting paid enough more in expectation that they feel comfortable. So at the end of the day, that's an open market operations thing that needs to find an equilibrium. And if we try to mess up, if we try to go in and incentivize um, on one side or the other, all that's going to do is is make it take longer to find an equilibrium there. Uh, so ultimately, if if the principal tokens are earning too much yield, then uh, people will come in on the principal side and they'll want to buy more of the yield tokens, and that will make the or they'll want to sell more yield tokens. That will make the yield tokens cost less. And so the expected return for purchasing yield tokens will go up. And so it will bounce out that way. Ultimately, there's no, there's not really a question of whether there will be no demand. It's just where the, where the equilibrium is, where that price will settle. Um, Cause in a situation where there's no demand, it basically means there's no yield. Yeah. Right. Now, have you considered LP stake derivatives uh, in your um, in your journey here? Because uh, I know um, like Spectrum Protocol has uh, their C tokens, um, you know, which are basically their principles for uh, like the LP positions that you know that they're setting when they uh, when they compound. And I'm wondering if uh, if you've you know if you thought of doing something like that, or if uh, you know you're looking to incorporate something like that uh, with uh, you know, your future endeavors. Yeah. So we, um, I believe I've already had a pool in the beta that was, uh, based on an LP token. I think it was based on, um, USDT, USDC pool, if I remember correctly. So we have thought about that. There's a couple kind of benefits to this. One is that there's additional yield from the trading and, uh, making that into a, fixed yield product is nice. The other thing that's kind of something to keep in mind is that when you're an LP, you have market risk, inventory risk, and that can, so, so what does that mean? Basically, if you're an LP in a pool, say Luna USDC or something, then you're exposed. You have half your reserves in Luna. You have half of them in USDC. So you kind of have inventory risk on that Luna. And then you have um, some stale order sniping, basically in permanent loss risk as well. And so those are not risks that uh, Nauticus, the the principal yield splitting primitive is designed to address. It's really designed to address the trading fee accumulation uncertainty and so it's unclear whether it would be desirable on a a risky pair because you're getting rid of some of the uncertainty but the vast majority of the uncertainty is still out there due to that impermanent loss risk and the inventory risk so that's why we did it with stable coin pair where there isn't much risk in terms of, you know, USDT or USDC depegging, but there is that uncertainty about how much trading is going to go on and how many rewards are going to be accrued in the pool. 
Gotcha. Um, now I see that the uh, protocol is like dealing with a matter of like maturity dates, um, like you get this expiration date by which uh, um, I'm not exactly sure what happens completely. Um, I, I can only imagine. Um, now I, if I understand correctly, Didax, uh, you know, moving into Cosmos was working on a short token um, concept where you could open up like a, I would guess like a, you know, like a one week or, you know, say three month kind of uh, token that would, you know, represent a short position on, you know, on an asset like ETH or something like that. Um, could you, could you see any uh, benefits or, or, you know, risks to, uh, you know, like the type of LP pair um, that kind of, uh, you know, sits Delta neutral um, where you have the, you know, the main asset, you know, uh, paired with it's short and the, you know, because I'm thinking back to like how we had a mirror protocol and, you know, being able to like a long farm and short farm at the same time and having like, uh, you know, Delta neutral gains. Um, do you see anything in that, um, you know, in, in exploring, uh, you know, positive uh, fixed rates, uh, you know, for yield? Well, I think the, the interesting part about longing and shorting is, is actually longing and shorting yield, right? Because what this allows you to do, if you want to go long yield, you can purchase the yield tokens. If you want to go short yield, you can purchase the principal tokens and, and get into that fixed income position. Um, so if you think about it, a fixed income position is actually short rates. Uh, if you go and buy a U.S. Treasury bill right now, which is a fixed income bond, right, then you're short rates because if, if rates come down, all of a sudden your fixed income rate is very nice, right? Because you're earning 8% and the real risk for your rate is maybe 3%. So now you're making a gain on that. And I think that's what Nautica allows you to do is longing and shorting on basically placing a bet on whether uh, tokens will continue to be emitted at the same rate and whether the token price that those emissions are denominated in is going to continue to stay at its current level or uh, go up or go down. So I'll just, if, if maybe say, uh, if Astroport's emitting at a certain rate, right? And you think that that rate is going to slow down because you have some, you've been reading the governance forums and you've been seeing that there's a post about it, about them slowing down emissions, right? Then you can place a bet that is, uh, you can get into a fixed yield position there. Okay. And then if that happens, all of a sudden a vote passes, emissions come down. Now you can exit your position. You've made some money because you bet on that, uh, those yields coming down. You don't even have to wait for maturity to make that money. You can just enter the position and exit the position after the information about rates coming down is revealed. Does that make sense? Does that answer the question? Yes, yes, it does. Um, I, I like that perspective. I'm going to chill on that for a while. JG, I saw you had your hand up. Hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just trying to understand. I was just on uh, the site. Um, is this, this is like PRISM, like the refracting yield uh, system with futures? Is that what it is? Like with maturity? Like I'm kind of just trying to wrap my head around what the market is. And are you going to be doing this on with multiple assets, multiple 
Uh, yeah, so we let me answer the second question first. Yes, we are going to be doing it with multiple assets. Um, yeah, we are just looking at our beta right now. Um, and then the first question, is it similar to PRISM with the refracting yield? It's similar in that we have the principal and yield token mechanism underlying it. And the maturity dates, basically, that that is when the fixed income uh, period rolls over. So that's when all the principal tokens that you have are now redeemable for one-to-one -one underlying token. So maybe your P Luna is redeemable for Luna one-to-one. -one. And then your yield tokens are then redeemable for however much yield has accrued over the maturity period. So if it's three months, like how much yield has been accrued over those three months, including the token emissions as well that were associated. Um, do, are you guys going to have your own like governance token system or is this like a real yield type of thing? How are you guys uh, controlling the platform? Yeah, we, we have plans to launch a token uh, at some point. The Right now, the platform is using yields from other sources, right? And just trying to give an opportunity for people who have kind of interests that coincide to trade with each other. I think this is something I, I really wish people in DeFi would think about more, which is how does the protocol generate value by finding people who would benefit from trading with each other? Okay. In this protocol, we have people who are risk averse. They want fixed yield. And people who are willing to take on additional risk for additional expected returns. And we can match them up. That's the goal of the protocol is match them up so that they can have a mutually beneficial trade. And that's the goal of the protocol right now. And yeah, we are planning on launching a token at some point. Well, I really, I really like the whole uh, connecting like P2P kind of uh, system. I'm totally about that. I, I dig it. This is good. This is cool. Fantastic. Good questions there from Madman, MB, JG. Just checking in. Is there anything else that you guys want to know while you're up here? And anyone that is listening, uh, if you are still sitting on the sidelines wanting to perhaps have a question answered, uh, now is your time to jump up. Yeah, those are the questions I have for now. Um, I think I'll just uh, be mulling this over on uh, terraspaces.org, um, you know, to to kind of take reference, take notes. Um, I feel like a lot was discussed, um, you know, faster than my hand could write it down. So um, I'll be going back to terraspaces.org to, uh, to try and get that. A fellow, a fellow pen man. I'm a, I'm a fan of the pen too. Slower, it's much slower, but it feels, it just feels more human. Mightier than the sword. That's right. Um, okay, well, I've got some questions I can press on with. Uh, first of the, first of which just being, do you, are there any sort of partnerships, collaborations, anything in the works that we can discuss? Anything that makes sense to you, Max? Well, I think I already mentioned the synergy with the uh, Core Risk Harbor product. Once you partner those fixed yields with um, protection as well, then you really have the true risk-free rate of DeFi. Uh, and I think that was the initial goal with these two products synergizing so well together. Um, another thing, I think anything that produces sustainable yield is going to be a 
killer synergy, especially the uh, we know that as long as these blockchains exist, there's going to be emissions from uh, consensus itself. So the liquid staking derivatives are going to be, I think, huge. I think they're already a big part of what's happening in DeFi now. And I think they're going to become an even bigger part. And I think uh, fixed rates on those are going to be important. Hmm. I've got a great question for you, and then I'll shift it back over to JJ once I chance it. But that, that to me just jumped out. There's, your, there's a point of difference there when people are asking what's the difference between yourself and a prism or a Zodiac is that you will have, the way I'm imagining it, uh, there will be a risk harbor button that's integrated on the website, which is as you're uh, choosing you know, which route you're going to go, high risk or, or conservative. And it'll say, would you like to ensure this with risk harbor? Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the way I'm imagining it. And at the end of that, uh, you would have, you'd be generating whatever yield it is effectively insured by risk harbor. Yeah, that's absolutely the goal. And that was kind of the first vision that we had. And then uh, I think we everything else kind of got built around that idea of a seamless fixed income plus protection in very few clicks. Yeah, very cool. I've got questions for you on that. We'll come back to that. Uh, JG, jump in, brother. Hey, so, uh, you know, you start talking about LS uh, liquid staking derivatives. And uh, if you are looking for collaborations backbone labs is down there and they resurrected b luna and we would i think i've actually reached out and wrote risk harbor and we spoke and i left the contract information to have it updated and i don't know what ne what's necessary to participate on this platform but we're always willing to synergize if you want to do that yeah absolutely i think uh wait can you guys hear me let's for sure uh keep a line open and, and discuss that further. Cause I think we're always looking for new yield sources. <laughs> Love it. The, the question I have then is regarding the fees or the fee structure on risk Harbor. Let's say for example, person a is going the principal token route and is wanting their, you know, 10% ish, 10% uh, rewards per year um what are the fees collected on the risk harbor side and you know what's the or what would the profit be less fees is what i'm getting to right so again we have a situation which is really about what the market is willing to bear and i think this is another thing that i th i think we could do better in DeFi of understanding is that prices which include, you know, the prices for premiums are not set by the protocol. They're set by what the market is willing to bear. And so ultimately that is something that I can't answer about without more context on what the protocol is, how risky it is, and how risky the underwriters, the potential underwriters would think of it as because ultimately what it has to be if we want a functioning protocol where people are trading back and forth and making each other better off both sides have to be uh, engaging at a, at a price that makes sense for them and that is dependent on how how risky the underlying protocol is if that makes sense got it yes essentially it's, it's out of your hands to determine its market forces will decide yeah, exactly. I mean, and 
even if if we do determine it, uh, which I mean, we set some parameters for the AMM at Risk Harbor. Even if we do do that, right, uh, we still have to set it according to what we think the market would set it as, because it's uh, it's really about setting a fair price for both sides. Got it. So with the last sort of you know ten to 13 minutes that we've got here. I just want to check in. Is there anything that we haven't touched on yet? Anything that you wanted to speak about? Any message, Max, that you wanted to convey that we've just not yet jumped onto? Because I want to make sure that we cover those topics before I, I sort of go asking any other questions. Yeah, I think um, I just, let me just reiterate that, you know, the, the beta is live right now. Certainly go check it out. Um, and then, we're launching soon another, the next version, which I think is going to be a lot more comprehensive. We're going to have better market makers, which use liquidity better. So there's going to be uh, more ability to trade back and forth and enter those fixed yield positions. So certainly check it out now and check it out um, soon when we launch our next version. Love it. And regarding, you know, as I was scrolling through your discord as i was reading through the docs as i was going through your past twitter posts of course the twitter's relatively young there's only 30 posts i think that have been on the uh been put out rather on the twitter since its inception a generic question that always gets asked is you know is there going to be a token and from what i can see in the discord no is the current answer but is there any update you can provide on that i mean i think the plan is is eventually <laughs> so that is the the plan it's ultimately also about um there's certain things that we, we need to make sure are uh in order on our end especially since uh, we're based in the us so there's um those things need to be sorted out before anything can happen on the token front sure what would be the considerations for you like what when you look at it and you consider the possibility of having a token in future, what would be the why behind having it? And what are the considerations? Is it possible that you could have uh, Nauticus operate and be a revenue generating protocol without a token for your, for your business, for your company? Absolutely, I think that's a consideration. Ultimately, um, there is a always a consideration for token to basically allow governance to take part in crucial decisions. Um, and especially because, you know, if you don't do that, then you like decentralizing the entity can allow it to be more censorship resistant as well. Um, so if we anticipate kind of a crackdown, it may be better to turn it over to the community so that the community can make decisions and um, not the SEC. <laughs> so that's that's one thing that's interesting about decentralizing and making it a DAO. Although the, I mean, as we speak, I think these things are being litigated, right? And it's unclear what the legal status of a DAO is um, right now. So these are all considerations. Uh, I don't want to say say anything more than that, but the situations. I think is evolving and it's just uh, I think very unclear on the legal and what is legal and what can be done and what should be done. Um, ultimately, I think we'd like to turn it over to the community because that's kind of the spirit of 
decentralized finance is that it's not run by a centralized entity. But 100% correct. And on that, I know you said you didn't want to uh, talk about specifics, but just generally speaking, when you look at the current landscape of DeFi and you look at the perhaps increasing pressure from regulatory bodies, how do you see 2023 playing out for DeFi in general? Um, in general, I think regulation is a force that generally helps incumbents and hurts uh, new entrants, which is in some ways unfortunate. I think it will be maybe a little bit good to have just a bit of a consolidating force in the ecosystem um, because there is this kind of dispersion of talent throughout the ecosystem, uh, a dispersion of liquidity. And I think ultimately regulation will come in and uh, maybe consolidate that a little bit around the uh, companies that are really trying to build and really have the resources to compete in a regulated environment. And I think we'll stop seeing so many uh, kind of pump and dump forks coming out who are not actually, whose goal is not actually to build a great product and connect users who want to make beneficial trades. Ultimately, everything in finance about connecting users who want to trade with each other, but who can't right now. And so um, I think we'll start to see more of a focus on that. And in some ways, regulation will hurt that. In other ways, it will help it because it will focus the beam of DeFi on more important and more uh you know focused towards user experiences yeah well put i think uh, i think this is gonna be an interesting one for sure um but you know i'm here for the ride as we all are and so maybe that's a good point just a good time to say shout out to everyone that's here in the space you know this has been a brutal year and here we are all still you know paying attention to what's going on keeping abreast uh, on the topics of on the new topics that are arising in the crypto sphere, and so you know, I see a few familiar faces uh, like ZJK and Romy, and obviously the OG sort of Madman and that that are sitting here. There's a few faces that have been popping consistently on these calls. So shout out to you guys just for being uh, in this space still as times get tough. I'm sure that it's going to come back around eventually when that is is yet to be determined. But in the meantime, we do have products like Nauticus that are building, that are shipping, that are creating the uh, next evolution of DeFi. Uh, so if you're not already following Nauticus, uh, do so. Uh, Nauticus Buy, at Nauticus Buy on Twitter. That's the one. And so recommend that. Give Max a follow. Uh, anything else that we should be suggesting here, maybe jump in the Discord for for uh nauticus anything else max yeah definitely jump in the discord uh, for updates as well and uh pop i think we have a gm chat so just pop a gm in there um so yeah and then, uh, yeah. as well check out risk harbor as well yeah definitely check out risk harbor and i think the thing i'd love to see too personally when i was clicking through the discord on the nauticus discord it is you know it's 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 fairly quiet at the moment, so I'd love to see the the participation picking up there. 
I'd love to see more, uh, I guess, more information and more clarity for people about how there's going to be the integrations between Risk Harbor and Nauticus because I suspect there's probably people that don't even realize that that's the case. And I think that's a really key point of difference uh, that's worth mentioning. And the last thing I'd say too is if you have, and this is actually a question, do you have any roles that you're trying to fill within the company? Of course, talent, uh, there's plenty of talent in this space. It's just a case of can we match the talent with the businesses that are building. So do you have any need for anyone at the moment? Um, I don't know if we're looking to fill any open positions at the moment. I think we're, we're, we run pretty lean, um, but if you feel like it might be a good fit, um, you know, feel free to reach out to me in DMs and uh, let me know. Um, I think we're always looking for exceptional people, but I don't know if we have any specific roles open at the moment that are, uh, that we're looking to fill. Fantastic. It's always worth putting a call out just in case. You never know who's in the spaces and you never know who's looking for jobs. I've certainly done a little bit of finessing in the background and helped hook up a couple of projects with some new talent over the last sort of six to 12 months. So I'm always happy to do that where I can. Uh, updates for everyone that's listening to Twitter spaces. We've got the Umlet. Umlet is the next one. Umlet. I'm not sure how to say that, but we have them coming on in a few days' time. And then if you have any suggestions for who you'd like uh, Orbital Command to have a conversation with over the coming months, definitely reach out. Let me know. Shoot, feel free to shoot me a DM. If you haven't put it together yet, I'm Dr. Doscoin. You can see my little icon there. Just shoot me a DM and say, hey, reach out to these guys and have a conversation with them, and I'll be happy to follow it up. And with that being said, I think everything I wanted to cover is covered. So I'll just say thank you, Max, for your time, your energy, your input, your expertise. I appreciated this conversation. And I'm really rooting for you. I hope that Nauticus does well in 2023 and beyond. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. And this was a great space. Thanks for everyone who asked questions and just was chilling and hanging out. Thanks. Go and be excellent, people. Go well. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Nauticus, the premier fixed rate protocol for Terra and the Cosmos. Hosted by Dr. Doscoin with Orbital Command. Recorded on Saturday, January 7th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay. Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way. Resuscitating major players in the waiting room. Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools. Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom. Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom. Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news to let us know what we should believe as the latest truth. Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio. Trying to keep it well lit, like filming a movie role. Sorting through support from your endorsements. Of course, we're tripping balls, handing reports in. The latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the lash, letting rhythm scratch Dope shit, spitting facts with my vision smash Big 
trip aristocrats Dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom This fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know Where you hit the stash Watch your next step bro Before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells Tripping over landmines And I'm about done Dealing with these damn lies Man I'm looking at this planet Like a franchise Chastised into digging holes In the back nine The latest proof Ain't a way to move Chase a view Just a bunch of peck heads Living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner finger Licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute Then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Two spaces.